0: I don't wanna be the boy that runs in and back. I don't wanna be the kid in the falls in the dark. All I really wanna be is the guy that gets that girl. Welcome don't to the AJ Steele Show. We discuss politics, sex, money, and everything in between. And now, here's your host, an immigrant, a self-made millionaire. An American, A.J. Steele. I
1: believe that CRT is the new Jim Crow. This is the new form of segregation, and my family will not stand for it.
2: Last week, I had the pleasure of speaking with Kayla Dunn. She's an intelligent black woman who made headlines all over the nation for speaking her mind against critical race theory in school board meetings in Idaho. Yet today, this lovely lady and thousands of parents just like her have been branded potential domestic terrorists by Joe Biden's attorney general and former Supreme Court justice nominee Merrick Garland. Their crime, you ask? Well, they didn't really commit one. They didn't go out and burn and loot and hurt people like BLM and Antifa did. They didn't follow any senator into the bathroom like those nasty illegal aliens did with Senator Sinema the other day. I'm sorry, they're not illegal aliens, they're dreamers. And no, they didn't smoke crack and meth and sleep with underage prostitutes and make millions from selling out their nation like Hunter Biden did. They didn't really do any of that. All they really did was dare to speak up at school board meetings against critical race theory and against the mandating of COVID vaccines to children who clearly don't need them. And oh, I forgot to mention, they also threatened to support new candidates for the school boards in the upcoming elections. Apparently, left-wing school boards all over America requested and received a memorandum that the FBI will now protect them from the parents of the children they're supposed to educate. Yes, you heard me correctly. The school boards, which are full of activist lefty bullies, want protection from the same parents whose children go to their schools, pay taxes that support these schools, and who voted for these same board members in the first place. This is not Nazi Germany or communist China. This is America. It's our America. Or is it? Welcome to another episode of the AJ Steele Show. Before I tell you more about today's topic, I wanted to say a special thank you to all of our loyal listeners who have been in our corner for many years now. And I wanted to extend a special welcome to the thousands of new fans who just subscribed to our show in the past few months. Our program has been growing steadily since the very beginning, and every month we add lots of new listeners. But for some reason, the last couple of months, we've seen exponential growth, and it's due to the fact that so many of our listeners spread the word to their friends and family, and they subscribe and do the same over and over again. Now, I know there's a lot of good content out there. And there's also a lot of media darlings who are doing podcasts these days, and they're sponsored by the big networks and big corporations. Either way, we're beating a lot of them in the ratings. And as a matter of fact, our show was recently ranked as being in the top 1% of all podcasts in the world. And that's a real big deal. So before I bore you with all this self-indulgence, I just wanted to tell you how humbled I am and how proud and touched I am To know that there's so many, so many thousands of Americans and people all over the world who give up a little part of their day and listen to us and interact with me on Twitter and Gab and Facebook. It means the world to me and to my crew. And I promise you that I will try to keep telling the truth the best way I can for as long as I can and to never let you down. Now let's get on with today's show because it's a real good one. But where do I begin? A while back, I posted something on Twitter and Gab about black entertainers like Nicki Minaj and Kanye West, who dared to speak out against the Democratic Party and against the vaccine. And I was thinking to myself, who would have believed that the same people who were brought in as slaves and chains and suffered generations of abuse and ugly racism could potentially turn out to be the same people who helped break the chains of our bonds as a nation? In some ways... I have to admit that I was completely surprised to see all these black athletes and stars speak out against this liberal tyranny and these crazy vaccine mandates that they're forcing us into. These people are risking a lot more than just some mean social media attacks. They're potentially risking their whole careers. Now, I'm not just talking about Kanye West and Nicki Minaj and the basketball players, uh, Kyrie Irving, Jonathan Isaac, I'm talking about millions of black Americans who are refusing the vaccine. And then on the other side, I see all these white entertainers and sports stars. They've become total drones. They totally comply and endorse everything the government tells them to endorse. It's pathetic. What the heck happened to the rebels in the music and the film business? Instead of kicking butt, it seems to me like they're kissing it. And with pleasure, actually. I don't know. It's almost like all of these white lefty sellouts became the same corporate weasels that they used to fight against. Maybe our salvation will come from black America because they understand what it's like to live under tyranny. Maybe they remember something that the rest of us already forgot. Just like a lot of Americans from Eastern Europe and Cuba who've lived under communism and they've never forgotten how evil it is and what it's like. Now, the interview you're about to hear gave me a feeling of optimism that I haven't felt since the election. Yes, inflation is out of control. And yes, Biden messed up the Afghanistan exit. And yes, the U.S. is a global laughingstock. And I realized that illegal aliens are pouring into our nation and that the vaccine mandates are tightening around our necks like a noose. And I know that the Iranians are one step closer to a nuke and that Americans are losing their jobs left and right for standing up for what they believe in. But I also see some points of light. And no, I'm not trying to sound like George Bush Sr. with his thousand points of light. I think that sounds more like Nixon, right? But all kidding aside, I actually feel a sense of hope from everyday folks who've had enough. And today's guest is one of them. She's a black woman who started out as a Democratic voter on government assistance. She believed all the lies about systemic racism and inequality. And then all of a sudden she seen the light. She woke up and she didn't just wake up from this deep sleep that so many blacks in America are mired in. She woke up and she decided to do something about it. And she went to a school board and started speaking out against critical race theory, which is basically anti-white racism. And if you think about it, also anti-black racism. And what she had to say really resonated and it took off like wildfire and she was featured on many top networks all over the media. She actually started making a difference. Now I know we're inundated with divisive virtual signaling messages at our schools and media and most certainly from the Democratic Party and uh, race hustlers on the left, but who are the real racists? Who in this nation tells black people that they're too stupid to make it in school and that they need to be graded differently and receive special help because they can't compete? Who tells black folks that they could never make it on their own without government assistance and without Big Brother guiding them every step of the way? In other words, who is keeping black people in perpetual chains? Who made them completely dependent on others for their existence and survival in a nation full of opportunity? Not to mention which party tells black people that it's okay to get high? It's okay to act like thugs. It's okay to have millions of abortions. Or it's okay to live as single welfare moms. No, it's not the conservatives who relegated this whole community to a state of helplessness and zero upward mobility. It's not the conservatives who push black people to leave the church and the family structure. It's not conservatives who have relegated these people to a mediocre, low expectation life. It's white lefties who did it. It's the Democratic Party who have kept black people at the bottom of our economic ladder. While all other races moved up, it's the Democrats who have become the modern plantation owners, giving black people just enough food and just enough new basketball shoes to keep them from rising up. Yeah, I know too many of these white lefties with BLM stickers on their cars and signs on their lawns. And most of them have zero black friends. And trust me, they absolutely want to keep it that way. Now, I better calm down before I say something that's going to get me banned from the internet and from social media and from doing this podcast. But I have a short story that I'm going to tell you now that will illustrate my point. A couple of months ago, I was driving and I saw a bunch of people holding up signs, BLM signs. They were mostly in their 60s and 70s. I'm sure you know what kind of people I'm talking about. They're those Prius driving old hippies and they're always out there trying to save mother earth. And naturally they're all white and they're all in this very wealthy town right next to where I live that has literally no black people living in it. So just for fun, I stopped my car and I asked one of them and he was wearing this rainbow flag hat and he was holding this anti-racism sign. I asked him, how many black friends do you have? And he started stammering uh, 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 and he had no answer. And then I asked him, if he loves black people so much, why is he standing here in the middle of a lily white neighborhood? Why not go into the inner city and actually help black people out? I mean, he cares about them so much. And again, he was stammering, he had no answer. Look, these phony racists, they never have an answer. All they have are signs and slogans and a Starbucks cup in their hands. The next month, this is amazing. I just drove by and I saw the same idiot again. And this time, him and his old buddies, they're holding a sign supporting illegal aliens and they were screaming, no humans are illegals. Do you get it? This is the left. They perfected the concept of divide and conquer. They live in their white neighborhoods as far away from minorities as they can. They scream to high heaven about discrimination and how America is a racist nation. And yet, they're the ones oppressing the blacks. They have always been the ones oppressing them, but now they do it under the guise of tolerance. I think it was Charles Baudelaire who said that the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. And then someone else, I don't remember his name, said that the second greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he's the good guy. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you stick around to hear our interview with Kayla Dunn. She's a smart woman who personifies the American spirit of freedom that so many of us seem to have forgotten already. And I also hope that you keep spreading the word about the AJ Steele show and subscribe to it if you haven't done so already. We will be right back. All I really want to
0: be is the guy that The AJ Steele Show. Think of your loudmouth best friend, hated by all the wives. Because he tells it, just like it is. You'll finally see, your love belongs to me.
2: Kayla Dunn, welcome to the AJ Steele Show. Hi
1: AJ, thank you so much for having me.
2: It's a great pleasure to have you on with us, and I know you've been all over the place getting interviewed by major networks and... Speaking to school boards about critical race theory, but I want to start at the very beginning. You're a mother and you're a proud black woman, and you do know that you're not following the script, right? I mean you're supposed to be complaining about oppression and getting government assistance and fighting systemic racism and you know the BLM hat and the shirt and all that stuff, but you're not doing any of that. When did you start when, when did you start thinking for yourself and why? You mean when did I wake up? <laughs>
1: I, yeah, no, no, no. I would be considered there, I guess, Uncle Tom and, you know, whatever they, whatever Mm. else they want to call me, traitor, you know, bed wench. It's just, it's just stupidity on steroids. So I started, um, I consider myself uh, a Democrat. I, you know, now that I think about things, I I probably was never a Democrat. um, But in the black community, Uh, There is a big push to be like social justice warriors and that victim mentality is very big in the black community. And so I grew up around a lot of like pro black people. Mm -hmm. And so I just thought, you know, I'm supposed to vote for black people. I'm supposed to, you know, push this social agenda and I'm supposed to be a part of the oppression party. And so I think it was, you know, I did vote for Obama. So right after Obama, I started to see some of the things that he was doing and I thought, you know, why did I actually vote for this guy? And, and just like many other ignorant black people, and I'm just going to say that because it's the truth, <laughs> I, I had no knowledge. I voted for the dude because of his skin color, right? You know, mm. Ivy League guy, uh, you know, grew up in a well-to-do neighborhood, both parents in the household, but for some reason— I felt like he connected more to me than anyone else. It was just, it was just stupidity, and it was um, brainwashing, if you will, by just my upbringing. Uh, and so, I was working as as a sub teacher, and then my partner at the time was a teacher in the district. And right after Obamacare, we saw our premiums go up, probably by like three hundred percent. And we were looking at, you know, how are we going to afford to to keep our health care insurance? We were also just looking at the options of, of keeping our healthcare insurance and how we were going to be able to afford it. We were even having conversations at that time about uh, you know, going on to the, the open marketplace to find affordable healthcare. I was unable to keep my doctors and I wasn't, I wasn't able, able to even see my doctor. So my, our healthcare just took a, a complete tank. And so that was one telltale sign. The other thing was his big um, push And I guess I I guess I'm rambling, um, AJ, but (laughs) I saw some of the policies that Obama stood for, and I realized he was not for any people, much less black people. He did nothing for the black community. And I was ashamed to cast my vote. I was ashamed that I casted my vote for him. And so I started to wake up. So after Obama, if you will, uh, I started to ride the red train. Um, I was on government assistance at the time. I received section eight housing assistance. I received welfare. And I realized that whenever it was time for me to renew, that I was always looking for a way to cheat the system. And it wasn't like I was waking up, you know, every single day saying, how can I beat the system? Mm-hmm. There were just certain parameters that I needed to follow to keep my assistance. And so I felt like I was trapped. Like I was continuing to feed at the trough. I had no privacy and I was never getting ahead. And so the very last straw was when I became a single mother. And this is when I realized the system was rigged. Became a single mother. I was in an abusive relationship, taking care of my two young children at the time. And um, I was getting child care assistance. So I was getting child care assistance for both children, was working two jobs, waiting tables, working another part time job and I was going to college. I was at a community college at that time. And in order to qualify for child care assistance, you have to meet um, certain criteria and you have to participate in a quote unquote qualified activity. And so at that time, school was a qualified activity, right? You're going to school, you're bettering yourself, we're going to help you with child care assistance. Then I got called into the office and they said they were cutting their program and that I needed to make a decision. If I wanted to continue to keep the assistance, that I needed to quit going to college. And mm. I just thought, wait, that's backwards. Of course. <laughs> I want to become a contributing member to society. I'm trying to better myself. And you'd rather for me to keep my part-time job making minimum wage than to you know pursue higher education. And so I just started digging and digging and digging. And that's when I realized I, I don't want to be a part of this system. This is a trap. I'm never going to get ahead like this.
2: But in many ways, you're swimming against the tide, or I should just call it maybe the tsunami of liberal narrative. You're an absolute outlier in a black community, at least as far as I know, unless if I'm completely wrong. And there's a lot of other black people just like you who agree with much of what you say and they're just scared to speak out.
1: I, I think so. I, there, I, am the, I am an outlier. This is what I will say about the black community and, and about the black friends that I currently have. They are educated people. And yes, they are uh, afraid to go against the groupthink. A lot of them, in essence, are conservative because we have a strong uh, faith community where we believe in, in, in the Bible. Mm. And one thing that I didn't highlight um, when, when we talked about me leaving, I guess, um, the Democratic Party one thing that I failed to mention, which I should have mentioned first, was my relationship with Christ, um, because that's that changed everything. The, the the democratic policies are totally against the Bible. When I look at the Bible and I look at you know my faith, it is very much in essence a, a very traditional and conservative ideology there, and so a lot of African Americans are extremely conservative in that sense, but again. Because of the family upbringing, because of the lies that we're being told, because of the victimhood mm. uh, and, and uh, that we're being sold, I think that it's just a war against those two different worlds for us and just being afraid to go against the group thing.
2: And I think it's very easy for anybody to become uh, addicted to, to government assistance. And it's not just black people. I know plenty of white people. I know plenty of Hispanics. I live in California, mind you. and. It's very difficult to get uh, out from under the thumb of the government once you're so used to them giving you everything. It's like being addicted to drugs.
1: It is. It is. I I have several uh career um welfare recipients in my family, unfortunately, to include my mother. Mm. And it is very sad AJ um especially within my own family, for instance, my one of my younger sisters um she was having some trouble and I won't go into too many details but she was having some trouble and and I said hey why don't you come and stay with me she had a child and I said we'll take care of your child don't worry about anything just go to school go to school and if you're not going to school go to work right she was dead set on keeping her assistance she didn't when you talk about work to someone who's been on the system all of their their entire life it's so foreign it is so foreign to them. It is so difficult. Why would I go to work when I can receive, like, for instance, in California, which is where I was born, by the way, AJ. I was born okay. in Los Angeles, raised in the San Fernando Valley.
2: Oh, I'm sorry.
1: Um, I know. But, hey, listen, uh, I, aren't you still there?
2: I'm in Northern California, so you can you can blame me all you want. Yes.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> I feel sorry for you because I'm in Idaho. Land of the free and brave, baby. That's what we're doing out here. So you should definitely move because we have a lot of northerners here. Um, So in California, you have three kids, $1,200, $1,400, $1,500. And at one one point, you can have up to five kids or six kids on the welfare system. And then eventually California said we're going to put a cap on it. But I knew family members who had three and four children, and they were receiving just two thousand in cash aid, not mm-hmm. to mention another thousand in food benefits, food stamps or whatever you call it now, EBT. And so it is extremely difficult because you're getting everything handed to you, and you it's almost like an entitlement. This is my right. money, I've earned it, you know. And and they don't realize that someone's paying for it. Their grandchildren will be paying for it. And so it is complete ignorance and brainwashing.
2: Well, it's a a culture of oppression. People talk about oppression Oh, you know, whites are oppressing blacks, but in a way they are. And this is how they oppress them because they'll never grow out of this. They'll always be on the bottom. The AJ Steele Show will be right back. You're listening to the AJ Steele Show,
0: where no topic is off limits, no discussion too harsh, no truth more true. The A.J. Steele Show, we tell it like it is. All I really want to be is a guy that gets a girl. All I really want to be.
2: Let me tell you something interesting. So I told you I live in Northern California, and you obviously live in Idaho, and I live in a very white community. It's a very wealthy community. I'm probably the only one with a little color that lives here. But this is the interesting thing. All these people are extreme liberals and they're so homogenous in their thinking. They're absolute virtual signalers. Every other home here has a BLM sign, okay? And the ones that don't have a sign like that, they have signs that tell everyone how they're pro-diversity and anti-hate. But this is the sad truth. None of these phonies know any black people or any minorities at all, except for maybe their Latin nannies or gardeners or if they go out to see a Warriors game from time to time. So this is the interesting thing. These arrogant liberal whites, they're the ones who control the conversation about black America. They're telling black people how to think and act and how they need government help because they're basically incapable of making it on their own. They are the modern slave masters, aren't they?
1: They are absolutely they are absolutely the modern s- slaveholders right now. And in my speech, you probably heard, that's why I said this is the new Jim Crow. What they're doing as far as CRT, that's, that's the new Jim Crow. So we know that the KKK founders were Democrats, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is what the liberals do. They are they are the slave owners when you think of it. And they could not continue to oppress the black vote back then. So they felt, you know, hey, if we can't beat them, why don't we have them join us? And so they've been doing everything in their power to keep us feeding at the trough. And unfortunately it's, it's worked because we continue to buy into it. And you're right. The whole, I'm going to put a BLM sign in my yard and, 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 and Virtue Signal, you know, I had met a couple of BLM agitators at the Capitol at one point, and I started to have some conversations with them. One of the conversations I had to them was exactly about what you just mentioned. I talked to them about BLM, and if they truly believed in BLM, I don't know if you remember this, but one of the founders at one point, AJ, of BLM said that all white people should deed their homes to black people. (laughs) And And so this is what I asked, that person i said hey you believe in black lives matter right you have a sign in your yard yeah okay well i you know i have i have you know five black children two are almost you know at the age where they need college funds mm-hmm. are you willing to write me a check to pay for my black children to go to college and by the way can you deed me your home can i have your home please and she was shocked
0: <laughs> she <laughs> just,
1: she, she stood there and, i'm not giving you my home and well why not you believe in black lives matter how many black people have you helped? How many, how many mm. colleges have you helped to erect an impoverished community? How many, how many How many black children have you mentored? None. Because you really don't believe in what you're saying. You are an enemy to black people. You're not helping the black community. You are an enemy to the black community. And you don't care about black people. In fact, if you cared about black people, you would support school choice. But you don't. Because you don't want the black child to go to school with your liberal white children in, your, in those areas.
2: And that's the crux of it. That's the whole point. I have a lot of liberal friends here in the West Coast, in the East Coast, all over America. And they all love illegal aliens. Illegal aliens this. Illegal aliens that. Let's help them out. Let's bring them into America. But none of them want them in their own homes or in their neighborhoods or in their children's schools, for that matter.
1: <laughs> it's funny because you won't see them inviting any of them over for dinner. It's like, well, black people are suffering and black people are oppressed. Well, how many black people do you know? You're looking at one right here and you can't even have a conversation with me. I'm not oppressed and you are not better than I am simply because of the color of your skin. And for you to suggest anything else, in, in essence, that is racism. You are the true racist.
2: Kayla, you're absolutely right and let me switch topics just a little bit so personally i've been a fan of martin luther king jr ever since i heard about the civil rights movement and i actually visited the lorraine motel where he was uh, assassinated in uh, memphis tennessee and i visited the civil rights museum and i read a couple of biographies about his life his message had everything to do with wanting black people to be treated equally and judged on their own merit he didn't ask for special favors He just wanted the God-given right of black people to be treated fairly on a level playing field. Now, I wanted to ask you if you feel that any part of his dream actually came true, and also if you feel that his message is even relevant anymore in 2021.
1: No. The social justice back then, AJ, is not the social justice that we're seeing today. Everything that those civil rights leaders have fought and died for right now is just null and void because... It's a totally different message right now, because when you think about just the 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 whole CRT issue, they are judging us based off of skin color, not by character. Imagine, if you will, someone who plays basketball or someone who runs track. Imagine that the team is predominantly white and within that team you have about maybe one or two black people in that team. Mm -hmm. Can you um, can you just imagine if the coach said, "Okay, you know, you're getting close to the finish line. And we want little, and I'm gonna be stereotypical, little Jaquan to feel special and important. So we're gonna hold the entire team back. Please, <laughs> you know, please stop running. Let little Jaquan qu- cross that finish line because we want him to feel important and special because he is uh, you know underprivileged based off of his skin color. Imagine how that, you know, little boy Jay Kwan would feel knowing that his entire team held back that they weren't living up to their full potential just to be able to push him over the finish line. Nobody likes pity. You know, that's not how you move someone ahead. And when you think about MLK and his message, it is not being honored today. We want equality. We want to feel like we're valued. When you see me, I don't want you to see that poor little black woman. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Oh my, she can't read or spell or write or she can't do basic math. Oh my goodness, she can't swim. Like all of these stereotypes. Like really is 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 that how you view me? And it's it does a disservice to everyone, especially the black
2: community. I agree with you 100%, Kayla, and uh But we talked about white liberals, but let's turn the light on the black community here for a second. There's plenty of race hustlers like Maxine Waters, Alice Sharpton, Barack Obama, who you just talked about, Oprah, Farrakhan. All these people became very powerful and extremely rich from peddling race hatred. Now, you're an up-and-coming black leader, and your voice is getting heard all over the place. Are there any other black folks in the media? I'm talking about major voices who are truly and sincerely looking out for the black community?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, you know, some of the big names like Candace Owens is out there. Um, And now you have like Vernon Jones, who's talking about, you know, know, what some of the news networks are doing against black people and all of the race hustling that's happening. So you do have some of those names out there. I do believe that there are more, you know, black conservatives out there than we think. Um I know that because there are plenty in my community even in in which where I live now just having these conversations you can tell that their ideology is quite similar um but I don't I don't know if if they're just ready to take the reins on this issue I believe that God only brings up certain people at a certain time and but there are many many African American conservatives out there that are saying, you know what, we, we need to get this message out there that we can speak for ourselves, that we can think for ourselves. Not, not only that, but here's the biggest reason why. We need to elevate the Black community. And the only way that we're going to continue to elevate the Black community is by exposing this radical left liberal ideology um, that seeks to destroy Black people by continuing to feed them welfare, by continuing this narrative, this, this narrative of, of, of oppression, and, and this victimhood. And so I'm on a mission to find them. I'm on a mission to partner with them. I've reached out to um, several people that are black conservatives. And I said, hey, let's start a panel. You know, let's let's start discussing this. Let's show people there are more people like us who think like this. And we're not all the same.
2: You know, it's very difficult to be doing what you're doing. Just think of Larry Elder. Here's a black man who was running for governor of California. And they call them a white supremacist. And people believed it. So let me tell you a little secret. I went to high school with Gavin Newsom, governor of California. I don't know him personally, but I know quite a bit about him and the kind of people he hangs out with. He is the richest, most arrogant, most spoiled, uncaring white guy in the world. And you know what? 80% of the blacks in California voted for him. They didn't vote for a guy who came from nothing, from abject poverty, Pulled himself up by his bootstraps and made something out of himself because the liberal white media call this black man a white supremacist. Isn't
1: that isn't that stupid? Isn't it's, that isn't isn't that ridiculous? But it it shows you the amount of control that the media has, right? You see you see Larry Elder, an amazing successful black. Um, you know, entrepreneur, you know, great speaker. And then you look at Obama, right? And so Obama got all of these votes, right? Because they control the narrative. But why not vote for Larry Elder the same way? Why would anyone? Now, I believe, of course, that the election was stolen and that we have an illegitimate president in the White House. That aside, there were still African-Americans who voted for a guy who has ties to the KKK, or at least gave the eulogy, Uh, <laughs> voted vote, voted, for a guy who who has said blacks can't use computers voted for a guy you know who makes fun of black people who said that obama was one of the first clean you know clean black Uh candidates i mean and and then voted for a man who said well if you ain't you know you ain't black if you vote if you don't vote for me (laughs) And, and then all of these negroes go out there and vote for him and so i'm like how stupid I get so worked up. Let me stop. Let me slow down. How (laughs) stupid. How stupid. The guy is insulting you. He's insulting you. He's going to take away your black card. Really? You can tell me that my skin is no longer black if I choose not to vote for you. Well, I guess then I become a white supremacist. Then I guess right. Maybe I'll take advantage of white privilege if that's the case because I didn't vote for him.
2: Well, you know <laughs> you know Kayla, uh, I don't interview white supremacists, so we might have to end this really quickly. But last <laughs> time last time I looked at your picture, uh, you didn't seem like a white supremacist <laughs> to me, but who knows, right?
1: But I voted I voted for Trump, right? Uh, so you're horrible. So, you're so horrible. According to Biden, I ain't black. I don't wanna be the kid that falls in the
0: dark. All I really want to be is a guy that gets the girl. AJ Steele. Not right, not left, just right.
2: It's a world turned upside down. I don't think there's any logic in anything anymore and um, it's just crazy. Now, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about critical race theory because it's something that you came out against and it's probably one of your main battles. So the whole concept of it is that Everything in our nation comes from a place of racial discrimination perpetuated by white Europeans and their culture and white people individually. And the whole idea is to champion the concept that we we shouldn't really fight for equal opportunity, but for equity of results. So what is equity? Equity means that everybody should have equal results regardless of hard work, talent, or intelligence. And this comes from pure Marxism as far as I'm concerned, not from a place that cares about black people how do you define critical race theory?
1: So the way that I define critical race theory is is pretty much the same. Um, but again, you mean that the the spirit behind what's happening? I know, you know, we all know the people who are well aware of what critical race theory is. It's very Marxist, right? It's that class system. It's the the idea of an oppressor and an oppression, right? It's it's straight out of the Communist Manifesto, or at least or at least a portion of it. And so what what I guess. The best way to describe critical race theory is this idea of, uh, you know, systemic racism that is continuing to keep certain people um, down. Uh, certain people are unable to get ahead because of systemic racism. And so that is something that I am absolutely against. And, you know, obviously I can give you several examples of of, of how that is not true, but that's what's happening. I believe that it is a a Marxist takeover and it's starting within our schools. It is anti-American. And so the best way that they can, you know, take over the world, if you will, is to take over the schools. And if you can indoctrinate a child at a very young age to hate themselves, to hate the other person. And if you can divide us by race, then you can also conquer us.
2: I think that's exactly it. And honestly, uh, like I said before, I don't think this whole thing is against black people only. I think it's against the middle class. It's all about power to the elites and to keep us down in our place. And I don't care if you're black, white, brown, yellow, whatever. They want to keep us in our place. They want to keep us down. They want us binder product. They want to run the world. That's what it's all about.
1: That's right. It is an anti-American curriculum more than it is an anti-black or anti-white this is this is an attack on the heart of america the foundation of america right we know that the middle class is the heart of america and so they're trying to uh you know attack every american principle that there is that makes us a great nation that's what this is all about this is just pure evil versus good
2: now i want to point out my feelings and i'm sure you agree with me that america hasn't always been a perfect country We didn't treat black people, we, I shouldn't say we because it's not you and I, black people were not treated right in America. Slavery was wrong. The stuff that Martin Luther King fought for the civil rights, he was 100% right. So I don't want to ignore that. But let me tell you, my family survived the Holocaust. My people suffered quite a bit, but I don't make excuses. It happened. Hopefully it will never happen again. And it's not happening now. And obviously there's racists. In America, still there's white racists, there's black racists, there's Mexican racists, there's Chinese racists. So that hasn't changed. But as a brown person who came to America, I was very poor when I came to this country. I had nothing. I lived in a trailer with my grandma. I can tell you, without that reservation, that I did not feel, nor see, nor suffer from systemic racism. As a matter of fact, Americans opened up their hearts to me and helped me out. So. I don't buy any of that crap, but once again, I don't want to gloss over the fact that we've had some serious ugliness in America, mind you, much less than most other countries, but it's still a fact. It's a part of our past. Our nation has come a long way, and we need to move on.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, we are moving. Well, I th- I thought we were moving forward until you see curriculum that's that's creeping into our public education, such as CRT, that is actually taking us back into Jim Crow. America hasn't been um, the best. And I, we have made tremendous progress. And we have to, uh, you know, recognize that when you think about all of the opportunities that, you know, blacks now have, like, just we just take a look at it, you know, think about affirmative action, like two words, mm-hmm. you want to talk about you. So you want to talk about privilege, like we now have privilege. You want to talk about privilege? You think about uh, you know scholarships that African Americans can get and Hispanics can get. You, you'll never find any scholarship that says you know white Caucasian scholarships, right? But you'll have Hispanic scholarships, African American scholarships, and so we we have access to all of the resources to become to become great entrepreneurs if necessary are great contributors to the economy here in America. You think about all of the immigrants. You you mentioned your family. Look at look at the test scores with Asians. Look at the test scores mm. with Indians. How is it that these people ethnic people, foreigners are coming here and they're, and they're outperforming Americans, not just black Americans, all Americans. How is that happening? How how is it that they are becoming the business owners of America, that they are owning more real estate than we are? What's the difference? Well, the, first of all, they're not buying into this whole America is a, you know, is a racist country because we let everyone in. Mm -hmm. We let we let them all come in. And if Mm -hmm. they're willing to work hard enough, AJ and dream big, and back it up with hard work, then they can achieve great things. How do we know that? Just look around. When I go into a restaurant, I see ethnic business owners. And so I don't have it. When you think about Africans, when they come here, they're owning car dealerships, right? True. They're going, Asians, Chinese, they own so much real estate. How is that possible in a racist country? How is that possible, AJ?
2: Well, I'll tell you how it's possible. It's possible Because we are being oppressed. And I'll tell you how we're being oppressed. And it starts with the teachers. It starts with the teachers unions. It starts with my kids having to deal with, I would say 80 to 90% of teachers who hate America. They're super lefties and they're activists. And they teach our kids that this is a rotten country. They teach our kids that they have no chance without Big Brother or the government taking care of them. And that leads to what I wanted to ask you. You're an activist. How do we counter them? How do we save our kids and our futures? How do we become, for lack of a better word, the counter-revolution?
1: Well, so I have some friends in Nevada that started – uh, it's called Power to Parent. It's Power to Parent Union. Now it's not a collective bargaining like union in a sense, but it, it's a union of parents united because we realize that teachers union have too much power and parents don't get a seat at the table. So we've kind of modeled after that and we now we have one here and we're we're forming chapters all over uh, the nation because of it. What we need to do to counter this, AJ, is first of all, what we should do is not dismantle these current groups, but to bring them all under one umbrella, similar to what the teachers unions do. Bring them all under one umbrella, give them a proven model, help them to work smarter, not harder, because a lot of us are just scrambling. We're very reactive, not proactive. We're all spinning our wheels. And so one thing that we've been doing here in Idaho is we have uh, identified school board candidates So mama and papa bears who want to run, we have a big election coming up in November and we've identified them. And then we've partnered them with organizations who have provided school board candidacy training. So these are parents that have said, I've had enough. I'm tired of the school boards having too much power And we need help. So we've helped them to identify institutes. And we've been training them, working with them, talking about school board structure, the power of the school board, how they can be effective in their community. A lot of cottage-style meetings, AJ. That's very important, building relationships.
2: The AJ Steele Show will be right back with the most shocking part of our interview with Kayla Dunn.
0: AJ Steele show. Think of your loudmouth best friend, hated by all the wise, because he tells it just like it is. This just
1: happened last night. So I work with all of these different parent groups here in Idaho. And someone sent me an email, and this was an email from the Idaho Education Association, Parent Company, National Education Association. Mm -hmm. And they sent this email, and they said that they are looking for volunteers. And this is what they said, quote, they said, the Idaho School Board Association, Idaho Education Association, and the school board, there is a hostile takeover. (laughs) There is a hostile takeover happening. So mama bears and papa bears who are saying we've had enough and they want to get involved with their children's education, they're deciding to run. The Idaho Education Association is saying there is a hostile takeover underway and we need you. So what are they doing? What the lefties always do. They pay people. Mm. They're offering food, they're offering beverages, and they're offering $20 an hour to mm. fight these people. So they are. So the Education Association is using their money and their power to get volunteers, because they want to keep pro-teachers unions, school board members in office. That's what we're up against. And so we have to have a louder voice. We have to be well organized and we have to be stronger. So you know, lots of prayer, dedication, communication, relationship building, meetings, I mean, that's what we're doing. We're starting small. We can't change the world, but what we can change is what we're doing locally first and hope and pray. That it has a domino effect, and that's what we're experiencing here.
2: I can't believe they compare a fully democratic process to a hostile takeover. Hostile
1: takeover is what they wow. said, quote. Wow. A hostile takeover is taking place.
2: Unbelievable. So a lot of the listeners on my show are very intelligent, and they're very involved, many of them just like you, but... They feel frustrated. You know, they tweet, they post to Facebook, but they feel that their voices aren't being heard at all, almost like they're howling at the moon. I feel like that sometimes too. And whenever they dare speak out about vaccines or illegal immigration or CRT or just a plain indoctrination in our schools, they're called racists. They get marginalized as kooks. So how should they translate their concerns and beliefs into action? Do we need to get out the pitchforks? Is that what we need to do?
1: (laughs) You know, a a lot of people are experiencing the same thing, AJ. I'm getting call after call, uh, message after message, private messenger on Facebook after private message. It is definitely, um, it's all consuming. And so this is what I have to say to your listeners and anyone else who, you know, is feeling hopeless or um, they just don't know what to do because they feel like, and this is actually happening, conservatives are getting hit. You know, pro, let's just say pro-American patriots. Mm. We're getting hit from every single angle. What the Democratic Party is very good at is strategizing and sticking together no matter what. What the conservative party is good at is power grabbing Mm. and splitting. And we do that very well. And so, first of all, we have to set aside our personal differences and think about the greater cause, whatever that cause may be. Maybe it's CRT, right? So how do we tackle that? So that's the first thing. And I know that's easier said than done. The next thing that they can do is look at how they can be effective in their own community. And sometimes when you are on social media, you're being inundated with all of these messages and it's overwhelming. And so sometimes you have to just tune that out and look at what can I do in my community? How can I get involved? What office can I run for? City council maybe, right? Whatever it may be, just start small to get more intimately involved. And I know it's intimidating. You know, maybe they have a past or maybe they have a family. They don't want their family exposed. But until we get pro-Patriots, pro-American, Christians, conservatives, in office, nothing's going to change. We're not going to get back to the foundation of America. And the other thing that I would suggest is to start bringing awareness to some of the local elections like we're doing here And Idaho, Um, like this message that we received from the Education Association, we need to start exposing these people for what they're doing. And oftentimes a lot of what they're doing is is hidden and, and no one's exposing it. So that's what they can do. I would just say run for something if that's not where their heart is. If they have money, donate to certain causes because that that always helps. Like our organization, you know, it's a nonprofit, so we need volunteers and we need funding to continue to have people like myself and all of these other parents that are stepping up for those who can't show up, and um, and not get discouraged. AJ, we can we cannot get discouraged, and we have to stay focused on the goal. What is the goal? You know, we want to keep America great. We want to protect our local school boards. We want to protect our children. Another thing that they can do is just say no. Whether it's a mandate, stand their ground. Whether it's, you know, the vaccination mandate, mask mandate for their school, no. And some people say, well, pull your kids out of school. I say, send your kid to school with no mask, right? Civil disobedience. Mm. We Send your kid to school with no mask. Those are your tax dollars. You pay for it. Send them to school with no mask. In fact, get a group together of 60 or 70 parents you know, all at the same school, all of you guys send your kids to school with no mask. That's what you do. You stand up, you say, no, you start organizing.
2: You're sounding like Gandhi or MLK. And I like it. (laughs) Now uh, we're almost out of time. And I wanted to ask you one final question, if you don't mind, where, where do you see the future of our nation and our children? Are you feeling positive about where we're going? Or do you feel like we've already lost the war?
1: Oh, well, my, the, (laughs) it's a very difficult question, AJ. Um, I feel like things are going to have to get worse before they get better. And and I believe that because I think even with what we're facing right now, a lot of people still just, they just don't get it. Whether it's the black community, whether it's just a conservative community, I still see a lot of talking on Facebook or in social media and not a lot of action. Right. And I think social media is probably the worst thing that's ever happened to us. It's, it's 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 really great. There's a blessing in it. But there's it's there's there's so many different negatives to social media. So I, I believe that it's going to get worse before it gets better. I do see that there is going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I go back to faith. You know, this is all scriptural. You know, the Bible talks about. Um, you know, the division that Jesus did not come to, to bring peace. He, he came to bring division. Right. You know, mother against father, a daughter against, you know, a mother.
2: Initially, right.
1: Yes. Initially, that's going to happen. Right. We, we all know how it's going to end. But this has to happen. And this has to happen because we need this awakening to occur. And we need people to see the evil that has been allowed to occur because of our complacency. And that is the problem. We've been way too complacent. And now that everything's at risk and we're finding that, that our comfortable lifestyle is at risk, you know, we're at risk of not having that. Now we're starting to step up. And in some instances, it's too late. And in, in, in others, there is hope. So, um, I mean, that's, I, I, I think there is hope, but I think that we have to hold the line and understand that it will get a little worse for us But we still have to continue to stand our ground stand on faith and morals, no matter what, never compromise, never compromise.
2: From your lips to God's ears. Kayla, life is a pendulum and history swings back and forth and so does the human condition. Now, I'm not a biblical scholar, but I do know that our religious books say that human beings are good for a while and then they act up and they do evil and God sees all and then God punishes them. And then they come back. It's an ever repeating cycle that just never ends. It's just the way of the world. I hope that your message is true. And I hope for all of our sakes that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Listen, it's been a great pleasure talking to you. I wish you the best of luck with your family and your children's education. And I really hope that your voice only grows stronger and stronger because you're not just fighting for your kids. In many ways, I think that you're a warrior for the soul of America.
1: Well, I thank you so much, AJ, for having me. And if anyone, any of your listeners want to reach out to me, just please have them, you know, email us at p2p at protonmail dot com. Um or they can go on to power2parent.org. That's power the number two parent dot org and start a chapter. And if they want more information about what we're doing, the curriculum that we're pulling in these schools to expose CRT, um, and if they need help, we will give them all of the tools that they need to fight this and to be effective.
0: All I really want to be is a guy that gets a girl.